welcome to this evening. Do I think which is what is the the uh, kind of, it, it's 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 like a star-spangled banner to the United States, or it's our theme. It is the it is the flag. It's the tower of of what Christianity is, and so we we do go ahead and just. Uh, uh, want to not only pay tribute, but we also want to go ahead and, you know, participate in the finished work. This week, and as we come to Sunday, the culmination, the climax of that celebration what has transpired and taken place, a transaction that was the grandest of all time and eternity. While there has been many amazing things that have transpired, not just in life, but in the program of God and that which he himself has instituted and done and this is the, the grandest, the cross and the resurrection. I want to read Isaiah 53. I begin with verse 3. And you're familiar with it, but what a Savior. Now, when you read this and you see, you know, the particulars, it is what he did so you don't have to experience it. I'm not saying that life doesn't have its issues. Despised and rejected by men. Man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. God took an Put on him the guilt and the trespasses and all the sins is committed by you and me and all the world. How he was counted as the transgressor so you could be counted as the innocent man. He was pierced for our transgressions. You're a transgressor. I'm a transgressor. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, or that brought peace, was upon him. And with his wounds were healed. 
The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. First, it says, well, like we all like sheep have gone astray and we've turned everyone into his own way. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he didn't open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. By oppression, his judgment was taken away. And as for his generation who considered, he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. Made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. And although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. What is that? He's totally innocent. Yet it was the will of God to crush him. Put him to grief, make his soul an offering for guilt. And he should see his offspring. Offspring. To prolong his days in the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall righteous, the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. He shall bear their iniquities. Calvary is a great exchange. Great exchange that God offers mankind who and what This is the hour. As we look at the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and of course now tonight, you know what I mean, as the crucifixion and the, uh, you know, has taken place. This is the hour. That when... Baby Jesus was born. What an amazing event. What a miraculous occasion. And the scriptures record it for us. And, you know, uh, 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 you know it's just a wonderful. <coughs> but when he came into the world, there was an hour that he was going to be looking at. Of all of the events, and of all of the hours that happened in Jesus' life, none of them rose to the level of this hour. They all have their purpose. They all have their design and their uniqueness. This is the hour that he came for. It says in John chapter 7, verse 8, is 
His disciples are asking him, trying to get him to go up to the feast. Something that would happen on a yearly basis. And he says, no. My hour has not yet come. In John chapter 8, the, the crowds are interested in, you know what I mean, moving him forward and, and get him into this role of kingship, so to speak. And nobody laid his hands on him. Why? Because he said, it's not my hour. But then as we see him in the garden, as he's praying, and his disciples are with him, and prayer is over, the soldiers are gathering, he taps him on the shoulder and he says, the hour has come. Oh, hallelujah. The hour has come. What's he saying? The hour that I was born for. Let it sink in. This is the this is the climax of the purpose of his life. This is the reason that he came. Hallelujah. He came for that hour. That's why this is important. That's why having a service, not just on a Friday night service, but, you know, why the church? Because it's the finest hour. It's the finest hour. He paid the penalty fully and completely for our sins. By one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You talk about the power of the blood. The power of the blood. Completely and totally and all the time at work. He took his, our sins upon himself. Well, no, this is not new, but, and he gave us what? His salvation. The Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. All the punishment that was due us, he took and has given us God's forgiveness. 
given us God's forgiveness. He was punished so that we could be at peace with God. Because of Jesus Christ, God looks peacefully. God's at peace. I know that's hard to fathom. Nobody has gotten saved yet. Hello. That's right. Nobody's gotten saved yet. The cross has taken place. And it says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. For our peace. God says, I'm at peace. Oh, church. All because of Jesus Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's taken our sicknesses and our pain, and by his stripes we were healed. You understand that he had to take them all. This is not just a, a good idea, you know what I mean? Or somebody wrote this on a, on a piece of paper and says, you know, you do this and this is what's going to happen. No, you know, it was taken upon him. His body is going through the trauma of sickness. All so we could be healed. chastisement of our peace was upon him a corporal punishment oh. the soul of Jesus became a sin offering so that we could receive the righteousness right standing with God in Jesus when you accept Jesus, you are in good standings. Hallelujah. Your standing is based upon Jesus. Jesus what? Jesus righteousness. Oh, it's one of the greatest motivators there is. He took our poverty so he could give us 
his abundance. Poverty in, in every shape, every arena of life. Our spiritual poverty. All of those arenas of life says that for your sakes, he became poor. That we might become rich. For God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What are we talking about? It's not the life that you can get from your mom and dad, you know what I mean, as they bring you into the world. No. It's what was his. He took what was yours so that he could give you what was his. Man. This is not human levels that we're talking about. This is God levels. It says that he took our shame. He took our shame so that we could share in his glory. God doesn't want you walking around with your head down. Because Jesus took, don't, don't defeat the devil, you know, today. Don't, don't let what Jesus did be of none effect in your life. There's no sense in everybody suffering because Jesus says, I'll go ahead and I'll suffer for you. He paid a terrible price for it. But he did it willingly and without reservation. Exchange at Calvary. You know, sometimes the sins of your past can hang over you like a cloud, and you know, and you never really can find your find freedom. You know, you can't find the forgiveness. You know what I mean? That that liberates you. You want to find that full path of total acceptance and in healing. He became a curse so you could receive his blessing. Not, see, it's not just a blessing, it's his blessing. Yeah. That's far exceeds, you know what I mean, what we can bless one another with. He became a curse so we could receive his blessing because cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. 
totally innocent, and yet totally willing. This Christ has redeemed us from the curse of law, having become a curse for us, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, thank God, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through, through faith. He took your sorrow. I'm going to wrap it up. He took your sorrow that you could have his joy. So you could have his joy. It says in Isaiah 53 that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Whose was that? It was ours. It was ours. He didn't have any. It's your sorrow. It's your grief. That he got acquainted with, that he identified with, that he felt, that he experienced. We know the the garden, but then we also know that how medical science tells us what took place at the on the cross, what happened in his in his life. Did you know that Jesus was not a sad person? No. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9 says, he says, because you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all of your companions. Hallelujah. Jesus' life was running over with joy. But when it came time for the substitution and Calvary's exchange, Grabbed all of the sorrow and all of the grief for all of humanity from beginning to end and took it because he said, I want you to have my joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I know that sometimes we get so technical, we, you know, joy and happiness. Well, let me tell you something. If you got joy, you're going to be happy. And if you're happy, you're probably going to have joy. <laughs> but this way he said, I don't want your life miserable. In the world, you'd have tribulation, but be happy. I've overcome it. The devil, I think, sometimes wants to keep us locked in prison. I'll ask my musicians to come. He was rejected so we could be accepted. 
his extreme obedience countered our disobedience. All that love and acceptance of Christ's perfect obedience And yet, he says, I'll take your less than perfect obedience, and I'll give you my obedience. Going ahead and trying to understand that. Trying to make us right with God. So we can get started right again. Hold old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation. You have a hard time forgiving, I have a hard time forgiving. But God says, because of what my son Jesus did, I'm not going to have a hard time forgiving. <laughs> because I'm not forgiving it on your behalf, I'm forgiving on, oh, I'm forgiving on his behalf. I'm, for, I'm doing it all on, on his behalf. He's not going to bless you on your behalf, he's going to bless you on his behalf. The lineup is there. It's because of Jesus. It says that he did all of this so that we could be accepted in the what? Beloved. Oh, hallelujah, church. Listen. What's he saying? Because of what Jesus Christ has done. He's saying that he loves you just like he loves Jesus. That's right. He loves you just like he loves Jesus because of what Jesus has went ahead and done. As the heavens open up at baptism, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He has made us accepted in the beloved. Same association. Same identity, same relationship that was Jesus. In fact, as Jesus himself said this, I believe it is in John chapter 17. He says, guess what? I want you to know something. That the Father loves you just like he loves me. You ever thought about that? He's, the Father's in love with you. <laughs> He can't help himself 
can't stop loving you because of what Jesus, his son, said, I'll tell you what, Father. I'll take all of their mess-ups and you go ahead and give them all of my perfection. I'll take the, you know, the negative side and I'm going to give you all of the positive. He just gave it to them. Because Jesus did so much for us. That great exchange, that's what Calvary is about. Hallelujah. Have you accepted the exchange? Praise God. Are you, are you walking in the, you know, in the dynamics of the exchange? Stand with me this morning. Man, you want to go ahead and pass out the Lord's, Lord's Supper there? It's, there's an old saying, you know, if something's too good to be true, it probably is. In every field, in every arena, except in this one. It's too good to be true, but it still is. I mean, it just blows me away. I mean, I, I thought about it, you know, and I'm redoing it. But, you know, he made us accepted in the beloved. Whew. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the beloved. That's the beloved. It's not... An extended family, it's an immediate family. Because he knew what he was going to do and he knew what he was going to accomplish as he stood there, is being crucified, and they have these thieves. You know, two thieves on both sides, one on each side. And one of them, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. You know, he's just joining the crowd. The ridicule, you know, the mockery. The other one, he notices something. So he turns to Jesus and he, he said, would you remember me? when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, well, today you're going to be with me in paradise. That's just how quick it can happen. The exchange can happen in your life. You can have a death sentence a natural death sentence over your life because of the wrongs that you have done. And if you will give yourself to Jesus Christ, 
If you die today, you'll be in paradise. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's too good to be true. But he did it all for us. Father, as we leave the house tonight, God, we're going to go in a newfound freedom, a newfound acceptance, newfound awareness. Lord God Almighty, that we have been made accepted in the beloved by Jesus Christ because we believe and accept his sacrifice and who he is. So thank you, Jesus, for giving us what was yours and taking, taking what was ours and nailing it to the cross in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BibleCTR. Bible